0: Welcome to Notes from the Underground, an occasional program on CFUV where presenters talk with people who are not musicians about the role of music in their careers and lives.
1: I want to get back to your photography. I I don't get this because I have no talent but How do you capture the sense of dynamism and movement um, rather than just stilted pictures? Your photographs of horses, uh, you know, have that sense of movement and action, whereas, you know, paintings of horses, they're they're sort of standing there and they look stilted and two-dimensional. Yours don't. Is it just a gift?
0: Yes, you could say so, but it's just knowing horses inside and out. I know them their minds, I can tell what they're like when I see them and I can capture that and I I always wait for the right moment. And I really like it. I always get to know them before I photograph them. Same with musicians too. So then we have a rapport when I'm doing that. It just works.
1: Come and join us today. We'll play some pool and talk about Russian rock music. This episode was recorded in downtown Riga, in Latvia.
2: Здравствуйте, вы слушаете CFUV Victoria. My name is Kostya. I'm from Moscow, from Russia. Was born in the Soviet.
1: We've played pool a few times before and talked about music. Tell us what you know
2: about Russian rock. Uh, it's hard to describe. I think it's more like uh, guitar with a bit of uh, drums and so on, but it's not like a rock, typical rock, what we think of when we talk about rock. I think it's more about lyrics in, uh, in this rock. It's more about lyrics in Russian rock, I would say.
1: Today, our host, Jim from Blues in the Morning, will be interviewing author Andrew Cartmel Andrew, an English journalist and author, who was the script editor for Doctor Who during the Sylvester McCoy era. Jim will be talking to him about his exciting mystery series, The Vinyl Detective, his passion for jazz, high-end audio, and Andrew's new project, Writing for the Stage. Please join us to listen to this exciting piece about how music and literature collide. Okay, this is... uh, I'm curious about this one. Do you own more than one copy of Kinda Blue?
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I had a copy. Somebody gave me a copy, I think, from my or I bought one in the 70s. And so I don't want to get rid of that because it has a deep sentimental attachment for me, to me, and for me. And I picked up other copies over the years, which I'm a little bit... I quite like, you know, I've got an attachment to them. But then... Uh, one day, the thing about vinyl is you don't just want a record on vinyl, you want the original pressing. No, believe me, you do, because it always sounds better. It's from a kind of a soulless collecting point of view, you could understand why somebody wants a first edition or a first first pressing, but I'm not just talking about that sort of collector's compulsion actually first pressings or early pressings do sound better than later ones and they're more likely to sound like what happened in the recording studio so i went hunting for the uh, the great white whale of jazz on vinyl which was an original pressing of kind of blue and if you want to really go down the rabbit hole you don't just want a, a first or early pressing you want a a demo pressing, a DJ pressing, because the first records to come off the stampers are promo or sample copies, and they usually, they often have a white label, and they get sent out to DJs. And so you you want one of those, because it's likely to be even higher quality than a normal first pressing.
1: Our listeners would probably like to know
0: what is music therapy is it age defined or goal defined what is music therapy and a broad general answer is music therapy uses music for non-musical goals the ultimate goal of music therapy is not for our clients to play better, or to know music better, or become like a musical expert. It's not at all about that. Music is the means to help people through their challenges. And so in terms of it being age defined or goal defined, it's really about what your challenge is and our challenges then if we're being intentional about moving through a challenge that means we have a goal in mind and so we are looking at a goal and potentially what unifies our challenges might actually then be called a demographic. Our music therapist often specializes with demographics so sometimes that could be long-term care with seniors. That can be um, children with ADHD. It can be supporting family members through trauma like cancer or abuse or some sort of external um, disaster. Sometimes that can be palliative care or end-of-life support. So it really is about um, our clientele, our demographic, who we reach out to. And it really can be used at every age. I know um, there's music therapists who work um, in NICU supporting children who are born, babies who are born early. And the beauty about music that the research is showing is if you add music, a very specific kind of music to support feeding, premature babies will feed better when there's stimulating music being used. So things like that are super intriguing and really interesting to know that music can be used from beginning of life to end of life. Our topic today is the Vancouver Adapted Music Society. It's an organization that supports and promotes musicians with physical disabilities in the metro Vancouver area. Join CFUV host Chris in conversation with his guest, Graham Wyman, spokesperson for the Vancouver Adapted Music Society, more commonly known as VAMS.
1: When a musician comes into the program, is it the goal to play live or are there musicians in your program who would rather not perform to an audience but are quite, you know, they're quite content to develop their craft in private? Yeah, that's exactly correct, Chris. It, it really depends on what the motivation is for our clients. I have clients that come in and all they're interested in is just learning lessons that are learning their instrument and that's they're fully content doing that. I mean, the thing that I love about the program too, and how I've kind of we we've, we've set it up, is this tiered program. Uh, to give an example, one thing that was very special for me is I had one particular client who is an amputee and visually impaired. He had done guitar lessons before, but it didn't really work out. So I was speaking to this particular individual, and I said, "Well, why don't we try the bass?" It's a little, you're not, you're not having to worry about six strings. You're really focused on the rhythm and, you know, the, creating the foundation of a musical group. He started learning, we did recordings, and then he actually performed at our 30th anniversary concert. One of the reasons I thought of interviewing you was because of your story in The Times Colonist called The Day I Got a Postcard from Tony Bennett. This was, I think it might have been about seven years ago. Of course, I wrote the column and I can't remember now, but it was was late, late Tony Bennett newspaper. I got a little envelope and it was a note from him on his stationery. It was like a little postcard, really nice quality paper, and it had this Park Avenue, like I think it was a Central Park address. It was so nice, I almost thought he was teasing me. So it was a very gracious note, and, and um, that's rare. So I kept that note, actually, from Tony, and I, I framed it. But in, yeah. in your article, you said it was a tremendously affecting moment flawed and deeply human in the way that only great art can be. And that to me was really a nice way to say that.